Jesus Christ is the light of the world. The light of darkness can overcome. Stay with us, Lord, for it is evening, and the day is almost over. Let your light scatter the darkness and illumine your Joyous light and glory of the immortal Father, heavenly, holy, blessed Jesus Christ, we have come to the setting of the sun, and we look to the evening light. We sing to God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are worthy of being praised with pure voices forever. O Son of God, O giver of life, the universe proclaims your glory. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who led your people Israel by a pillar of cloud by the day and a pillar of fire by night. Enlighten our darkness by the light of your Christ, May his word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. For you are merciful and you love your whole creation. And we, your creatures, glorify you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. saying in the last chapter of Matthew, Go therefore, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And again, the word of God says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. For this promise is unto you and to your, holy, and unto your children. 
This child then, as all others, was not born with faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, infants, though seemingly innocent, are, according to scripture, by birth and nature sinful, and they are children of God's wrath like the rest of mankind. They cannot, therefore, as Luther says, by their own reason or by their own strength believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or come to him, and yet faith in Christ is essential for salvation. For scripture says in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. And our Lord Jesus himself says, no one can come unto the Father but by me. And therefore we can never thank God enough that he has made holy baptism that means by which his Holy Spirit creates that faith in an infant's heart, that faith that links him to Jesus Christ. And thus the apostle of our Lord says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus, have put on Christ. And again he says, all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. And so today, we again see God here working. We see God regenerating that which is spiritually dead, for scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration. Baptism is God's gracious work, it is not ours. And through it, the Christian life of worship has its beginning in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Observe then and see now once again the grace and the mighty work of our merciful God. Aaron Patrick Trenery, receive the sign of the Holy Cross both upon thy forehead and in thy heart as a mark that you have been indeed redeemed by Christ the crucified. We pray. In the words of Luther's baptismal prayer, Almighty and eternal God, according to your just judgment, you condemned the unbelieving world through the flood. And yet, according to your great mercy, you preserved believing Noah and his family, eight souls in all. You drowned hard-hearted Pharaoh and all of his host in the Red Sea. And yet, you led your people Israel through the water on dry ground, foreshadowing this washing of your holy baptism. Through the baptism of the Jordan, of your beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, you sanctified and instituted all waters to be a blessed flood and a lavish washing away of sin. We pray now that you would behold Aaron Patrick according to your boundless mercy and that you would bless him with true faith by the Holy Spirit, that through the saving flood, all sin in him which has been inherited from Adam and which he himself has committed since would be drowned and die. Grant that he may be kept safe and secure in the holy ark of the Christian church, being separated from the multitude of unbelievers and serving your name at all times with a fervent spirit and a joyful hope, so that with all believers in your promise, he would be declared your saints and among them and receive eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now before baptizing Aaron Patrick into the triune God, I ask you parents and sponsors that you would publicly witness to and pledge to do these things faithfully. First of all, that you'd remember this child often in your praying. Secondly, that you'd put him in mind of his holy baptism, that he would not forget what God has graciously here and begun. And thirdly, sponsors, as much as in you lies, that you would lend your counsel and aid, especially should he lose his parents, that he would be brought up in the true knowledge and the worship of God and be taught the Ten Commandments and the Creed the Lord's Prayer, and that as he grows in his years, that you would place the sacred scriptures in his hands, 
and bring them to the services of God's house, providing for further instruction in the Christian faith, that he may come to the sacrament of Christ's body and blood and thus abiding in his baptismal grace and in communion with the church, that he would grow up to lead a godly life to the praise and to the honor of his Lord Jesus Christ. This then do you intend gladly and willingly to do? If so, say yes with the help of God. Yes, yes with the help of God. God enable you to will and to do these works of his love and with his grace fulfill all that we are unable to do. I now ask you sponsors to answer in the name and in the stead of the child the questions that I will address to him in order that everyone here might be reminded of what repentance and what faith in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit himself here works in this child through holy baptism to the glory of God the Father. Aaron Patrick Trenary, you renounce the devil and all of his works and all of his ways. If so, say, I renounce them. And do you believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. And in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting, if so say, I do. I do. Will you be baptized then into this holy Christian faith? If so say, I will. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have here received this child as your own through this washing of regeneration, that the blood and the forgiveness of Christ would be applied to him, that he would, through that work of yours, become your adopted son. Continue to bless him throughout his life, that he might grow in years and in faith and receive finally all that you promised through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
You have, because of the work of Christ in your life, become a child of the Lord's life. The Lord bless thy coming in and thy going out, even now and forevermore. Amen. King of the nations, the ruler, they long for the cornerstone uniting all people. Come and save us all whom you formed of for clay. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The has founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hills of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your gifts, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. O King of the nations, the ruler they long for, the cornerstone uniting all people, come and save us all.
first reading for this midweek Advent service, the final of the three, is from the fourth chapter of Paul's letter to the Galatians, verses one through five. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no better than a slave, though he is the owner of all the estate. But he is under guardians and trustees until the date that is set by the father. And so with us, when we were children, we were slaves to the elemental spirits of the universe. But when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is the word of the Lord. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the first chapter. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How shall this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. This is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. This is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Glory be to the Father and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. This is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness.
Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our sermon text for this final of our midweek Advent services, in which we've been considering Advent as a baby story, our text is from the, the reading that you just heard from Luke, the first chapter. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin whose name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And he said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. This is our text. Dear friends, if angels have emotions... You have to believe that Gabriel was awfully excited about this assignment. There never was before and there never would be after the same task given as this given task, to announce the incarnation of God. Since Eve, mankind had watched and had waited for this news. The sun had risen and the sun had set upon day after day and age after age of people watching and waiting. The moon had looked down upon night after countless night of God's people gazing heavenward in prayer, watching and waiting and wondering when it would be. Generations were born and they faded away and with them many prophets proclaiming prophecies of a promised one that had yet to see their ultimate fulfillment. But now it was time. Now it was the fullness of time. To a people and to years pregnant with anticipation, Gabriel delivered the news of the pregnancy. The times had come to full term. The time for delivery was soon. The times were exciting. But would she be excited? Would this woman, perhaps barely even a woman, but more an adolescent girl named Mary, would she be excited to hear the news? Recall, hers is a story quite different from the other two we've heard during this Advent season. Mary is not well advanced in years, as were Sarah and Elizabeth. In fact, she's not got too many years under her belt to speak of. And while the others, Abraham and Sarah and Zechariah and Elizabeth, while they wanted desperately to bear Children, my guess is that young Mary was not so eager for the immediate child. Perhaps like so many other Jewish girls, she did dream of one day bearing sons and daughters to her husband, being fruitful and multiplying and filling at least her little corner of the world. But one day, now she's not even in the marital relationship yet. Betrothed, yes, but technically married and with husband, no, not yet. She may not have been near as eager to receive this news because she didn't share those other common characteristics with Sarah and Elizabeth that made their respective pregnancies simply miraculous. She did share, though, at least one thing with her cousin Elizabeth and with her ancestor Sarah before her. One thing that made this pregnancy equally, if not more, miraculous and marvelous She wasn't supposed to be able to have children. And yes, it was biological. And yes, it was very commonsensical. You see, for Sarah and Elizabeth, it was that what was planted 
fell on unfertile, or shall we say barren, ground. Nothing grew there short of a miracle. But with Mary, it was not a matter of being barren. It was a a matter of the simple fact that nothing had yet been sown. No seed had yet been planted or cast, so how in the world should anything there grow? But impossibilities never stopped God before, and they weren't going to stop him this time. And so we hear God's angel deliver his long-expected message, saying, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And at this, Mary scratches her head and asks, frankly, what any one of us would ask. How can this be? And it's not a dumb question. It's an important question. In fact, the entirety of our Christian faith rests on the reason for this question, which is why must this be? But first to the how of it. There are many today who dismiss the virgin birth as fantasy or folklore Or they simply place reason above what Scripture says and and based upon their reason say it is an impossibility and therefore could never have happened. Many who mock Christianity because they imagine that we believe and teach that God descended and impregnated Mary in the normal human fashion. If they'd only listened to the angel like Mary did. And perhaps it was to disarm the naysayers, but God tells us and and records for us the basic how of it. And contrary to all the charges and all the accusations, there's nothing fanciful and nothing shameful about it. Mary asks how. Gabriel gives her the answer. This is how, Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born to you will be called holy, the Son of God. There it is. Incarnational biology. She would be his mother. God is his father. But that goes to the more important question, why? Why did God choose this very peculiar way to bring forth his son? Why? Did God subject young Mary to all the public scrutiny and suspicion and judgment sure to fall upon her? With others around her seeing this unmarried girl appearing increasingly in the family way with each passing month? Here's why. To put it very plainly, God had to. His options, we might say, were limited. They were limited, so to speak, because he had to bring forth his holy son in holiness. And that meant it couldn't be done in the normal way, the normal human fashion. This Savior son couldn't be contaminated with sin. He couldn't be tainted with sin if he was going to be the Lamb of God, pure and holy. He couldn't be sinful, and so he couldn't be the seed of a sinner. I like the way that one church father has put it, very illustrative, certainly serves the point tonight. He said, a black crow never produced a white dove, and a ferocious lion never begat a a gentle lamb, and no sinner, he says, ever begat a righteous and a pure saint. In fact, we were reminded of it tonight in the baptismal liturgy. 
In this church father, he's talking about hereditary. He's talking about what we call original sin. Scripture puts it this way. Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. That's family tree language. That's hereditary sin language. The acorn, the sinful acorn, doesn't fall very far at all from the sinful tree. And that's our human problem. That's the reason for our human condition. And that's precisely why a virgin would conceive, as Isaiah declared it so many years before it happened. That's why a virgin did conceive, as St. Luke recorded for us. That's why God sent forth his son, as we heard Paul say tonight, born of a woman. Not of man and woman, born of a woman, born under the law, born to redeem those of us who were hopelessly under the law. Listen again to that brief but that all-important lesson in incarnational biology. Listen to how God preserves on the one hand the purity which was absolutely necessary and and required of that self-sacrificing Savior, and yet on the other hand delivers to us our own flesh and blood, which was also equally necessary if he was to be our Savior. Listen to how he puts it. Gabriel said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born to you, Mary, speaking of his humanity, the child to be born to you will be called Holy, the Son of God. They're speaking of his divinity. A child of Mary's flesh and blood, and yet the Son of God. Very God of very God, and yet incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and made flesh and blood, you and me. You see, if this promised child, the promise of Abraham, the one whose way John the Baptist prepared, if this promised child was to do us any good, he had to be both God and man, and an uncorrupted man at that. He had to be, as we sang in one of the hymns this Advent season, he had to be of twofold race, God and yet man. Our sins required both. Martin Luther explains that one so beautifully in a statement he wrote near the end of his life when he wrote this. He said, we Christians must know that if God, the divine one, if God is not in the scale to give it weight, our side of the scale sinks to the ground. He said, what I mean is this, if it cannot be said that God, not mere man, but God dies for us, then we're lost. But if God's death and a God who has died lie in the balance, his side goes down and ours snaps up as if it were light and empty. But he could not be, Luther continues, he could not be in the scale without becoming a man like us so that we could speak of God's dying and God's suffering, of God's blood and God's death upon the cross. And all of this, all of this is the whole reason why Mary was a mother like none other. It was because her son is like none other. The virgin, this virgin, would in time, as we'll celebrate in about a week from now, she would deliver a son who would deliver the world. That means you and me. 
But never think she's alone. Because you too are highly favored by him too. Just as she did by grace, you too by God's grace have found favor with him. Certainly not in exactly the same way the angel describes. For no one here has been implanted with that holy fetus. But the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Or maybe we should say has come to you just like he did tonight. Into the heart, into the life of little Aaron Trenary. He has come to you and implanted in your hearts faith in the one who was implanted in Mary's womb. And because of it the one who lived in her womb now lives in your heart. The one who sanctified her womb. And made it a holy dwelling place now sanctifies your heart. And makes it also a holy dwelling place. And you ask me? Holy? The disbelief of Sarah considers our past sins. Or our present situation. And perhaps laughs at the thought. The doubt of Zechariah considers how unlikely it could be that God has chosen a sinful vessel like this one to call his home, and that doubt dismisses it. But my friends, as long and barren with sins as your lives have been, I ask you, is anything too hard for God? Look to the cross. Look to the cross and Christ Jesus upon the cross. And behold for yourselves your impossible situation made certain. Name for me your biggest sin and I'll show you an even bigger Savior. God on the cross for you and for me. Christ Jesus, only begotten of the Father, born of Mary his mother. He came and he died to cancel your sins and to bury all your doubts. And in every one of life's situations, grim or great, let's remember exactly who it is who stands with us. It's Emmanuel, God with us. With Mary facing her tough and her toughest days. With you, when you face yours. And that's his word to you. And so with that young mother like none other, with her we look to her son and we confess with great joy. Let it be unto me, according to your word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
that he may hear and answer the prayer as you have taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. And I pray that you would forgive me all my sins, for I have done wrong, and graciously keep me this night. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul in all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be and abide with you all. Amen. Amen.